Humanity Chats, a conversation about everyday issues that impact humans. Join us. Together, we can go far. Cultural Identity. Welcome to Humanity Chats, where we get together and talk about everyday issues that impact humans. My name is Margie Marge, your hostess with the mostess. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for coming back week after week. If you're listening to this conversation, hey, share it with your network. Let them know we're here. Um, today, we have Avni Panjal joining us all the way from California on the West Coast of the United States. And um, she is originally from India, uh, moved to the United States when she was 13 years old, and um, her life experience, education, has taught her a lot about cultural identity. And so hold on tight. We're going to bring her from the green room. This is Humanity Chats, and we will see you soon. Welcome back to Humanity Chats. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk today. Yes, yes, yes. It's exciting. You know, um, here at the chats, what we try to do is uh, we share a fun fact. Um, we have our guests share a fun fact with us, something that we would not find um, if we were to do an internet search today. Uh, so would you would you mind sharing uh, 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 sharing something about a piece of your life with us? Absolutely. Um, so I love uh, writing. I I have a blue Vespa. And that is something that unless you are close to me as my friends, you probably wouldn't know because I haven't really shared that on social media. But I, um, I need to get writing again, because it's been nice and hot and I haven't done that in a minute. So definitely should start writing my Vespa a little bit more. <laughs> Well, go girl, go girl, that you are adventurous. I dig that. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Now, Anthony, we're here to talk about cultural identity. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your background? Absolutely. Um, So as you so eloquently said, I um, moved to U.S. when I was 13. It's a funky age to come, by the way, because you're kind of like hitting puberty and you're a teenager and you have friends back home. So I moved here when I was 13 with my parents. We immigrated here. So I definitely consider myself a woman of color. I definitely see myself as an immigrant to this country. Um, and I call and I go by the Indian counselor on YouTube and social media. So please follow me there. Um, and I have been in this field counting undergrad. Um, so I have my master's and I'm licensed clinical social worker. Uh, I've been in this field of mental health for about 15, 16 years. Um, and I've been played, played all different roles in terms of social worker, coach, therapist, um, you name it, I've probably done it. Wow, interesting. You know, um, Abney, I'm an author, and actually, my first book is titled The Shimmer Grant. 
And the protagonist in the book moved to America when she was 13 years old. Oh, so, I love that. Yes, um, your story is entirely different from uh, from Sasha, who is the protagonist and in the Shimmer Grant. But it is a funky age. You, you're, you're kind of coming into your own. And tell me, what was that experience like? Um, so funny enough, I actually did it want to come to US. I was kind of, you know, I had my friends back home and I was pretty perfectly fine in the life that we were living. Um, credit to my parents who really, you know, like many immigrants to this country, really wanted a better future and more opportunities for their children um, to want to move to this country. But I genuinely was like, yeah, I'm fine in India. I don't really want to move. So I, unlike my other counterparts or extended family that I've seen, you know, like really looking forward to wanting to come here, I was kind of neutral about it. If anything, I was also a little sad leaving my friends behind. I didn't really know anyone here. I started um, my school in the middle of uh, the year after Christmas and winter break. So it was a little bit of an odd time to also come in and start a new school with everyone knowing that you're new. And um, I moved to San Luis Obispo, which is central coast in California and extremely also white. So it was 95% white. If you, um, and so that was another layer to it of me realizing one of the first times in my life that I am actually physically, I look very different than my uh, peers in, in my grades. And I had never really experienced that level of difference physically um, until I was 13. Because back in India, there's a lot of diversity in terms of language and food and religion and culture, but um, never in terms of like the shades of brown, if you will, were all just different shades of brown. And uh, this was the first time when I was like, oh, I'm really different. And no one really had to say anything for me to know that because you you know when you're the only person in the room that's a different makeup <laughs> you know it's 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 weird but i'm originally from ghana west africa and growing up i thought that indians were white yes i thought lebanese i thought you know i i i just put everybody in that um box that everybody who was to me, you were light-skinned, like you're calling yourself brown. I would never have thought that somebody from India will call themselves brown because to me, you were white. And then as I got older and got to read more, watch more movies, I started realizing the subtle differences. And then coming to America, I was like, oh, wow, there is white. There is Indian, there's Filipino, there's Chinese, there's, you know, all the different boxes that people get to check. And so that that cultural identity, I guess um, our background really shapes the way that we, we think. Yes. Uh, yes. So, so, so tell me, what got you into the work of cultural identity? Yeah. By the way, funny story, I've been to Ghana and that was the first time I was called white or Obruni, Obruni and it was 
so mind-boggling because I had never been called white in my life. And I was like, this is weird, but uh, loved uh, loved my holiday there. So in terms of answering the what got me into cultural identity, I think like many people, it's our lived experience that really, you know, draws you to a particular passion or a particular thing. My cultural identity has defined so many things in my life in terms of the what decisions I make, what choices I make, whether I make those choices or not. They're so deeply rooted and so ingrained that I've been fascinated about um, why humans make the decisions that we make from all the way up until undergrad. So I remember when I first took my you know, first class of psychology in first year of undergrad, I was just really fascinated with kind of exploring this side. Um, and I have to be honest, a lot of this also comes from me sort of straddling both cultures. Um, I think you and I were talking about this a little bit previously on, you know, I, I have an American side to me because I've grown up here now longer than I have in India. But I also know I'm Indian, and so I'm not negating that side of me too. So it's kind of in this like bicultural identity, if you will, for me. And um, sometimes, whether it's I've pointed it out, or sometimes other people have pointed it out because I'm the only person in the room, and you know, someone probably feels like, oh, so what do you think as an Indian person about India or you know anything that can happen? I've I've seen that happen several times in my like world history class where. It'll be on the chapter for India. And then everyone's looking at me and like, so what do you think? Represent a billion people in your country. Um, so sometimes it's also been just like where people have put that on me. But most of the time, I, I think I really was just drawn to why do we make certain decisions? What are some social norms and attitudes and beliefs and behaviors that we have based on our culture? And how do they really shape us? Because as I've you know become an adult, and as I coach people and I, as I've, you know, um, had therapy with many of my clients and been in the field of mental health and social work, culture really plays a big part in all the decisions we make. It, it's, it's, you know, it's bringing up, in it's coming up in terms of the amount of money that we will make or the foods that we will eat or the places that we will stay. And we may not think of culture as the direct reason because it's so layered and so interconnected for so many different things. But culture is sort of that like underlying current that we're all living and breathing, if you will. So that's sort of just been an interest for me from very, very early age. And I think a lot of it had to do with my own lived experience of having it be so pronounced front and center at such an early age. Well, talking about lived experience, I think I've shared this with you before, but um, it's like uh, kids who are uh, who are from uh, an army family who may be living on a base and let's say they're Americans, but they, they lived in Germany all their lives and then they come back to America and they are Americans, but then they have some European tendencies because of the customs and traditions that they grew up around. And it's like, they're not American enough, but then if they should go to Germany, they're not German. So there's kind of hanging in between and you call it third culture. They have their own uh, 
little things that they do that may not necessarily fit into either of the boxes of whether it's the European culture or the American culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so going, going back to it, um, what do you do uh, when you, because you talk about cultural identity a lot. How do you help people with their cultural identity? So it could be on myriad of different topics. Let's say, and actually, you know, just had these series of clients um, and these sessions in like the last couple of weeks where we're talking around like achievement or ambition and, you know, to dig deeper, I sort of asked the questions on, well, how far back does this notion of wanting to be ambitious go for you? And where did you first learn it? And who did you learn it from? Because sometimes it doesn't even have to be our own things that we formed. It could be someone else said it and we formed a narrative or a story around it. So for instance, like, let's say if, you know, someone who um, is, uh like an example that i can give is let's say someone is you know doing a lot of extracurricular activities and they're being a, like really applauded for doing a lot of extracurricular activities you don't have to be the person that experienced that you simply seeing this person getting really applauded for that you formed a notion in your mind on doing extracurricular activities is really good so sometimes it doesn't even have to be something that directly happens to us. It could be something that we've heard or something that we've experienced or observed from someone else. But it can go back, you know, when we, let's say to that ambition example, if we go as far back, like I know for me as an immigrant and also being the oldest of my sibling group, there's a certain level of ambition I have learned from my own immigrant experience that is very, very cultural to me. And so it could be around ambition, but it could also be around how much risk you're willing to take. It could also be around whether you choose to be an entrepreneur or whether you choose to be an employee uh, and work for someone, right? Or it could also be around like the risk that you're willing to take in terms of where you choose to live versus whether you choose to, you know, do a different living situation. So it, it has a lot of layers to it. And I think for all of us, it's important for us to slow down and really ask, where did I first learn this story that I've formed, if you will, and how far back does that go for me? And if I may add, where will it take me, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, you got me thinking uh, when you talked about you being the eldest child. Um, I watch the National Spelling Bee a lot, and I see a bunch of Indian kids, uh, you know, spelling their lives away. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But then um, digging deeper, um, having met some of them um, at the national competition um, in D.C., what I saw was that there was this work ethic that um, had been driven into them. Uh, so maybe another parent or somebody else from maybe a different culture, whether you be black or whether you be white, um, might think, oh my goodness, why is this child spending all these hours studying in a day? But based on their culture and their ambition, it's okay. 
for them to spend those number of hours studying. You might think that the child should be out playing, but it is your culture. Every region has the way they run things. Like you go to Finland, they have a different way of running their educational system from how we run it here in America. And so these kids go on to excel. And then, you know, it may just be spelling bees that they're doing at that time. But fast forward to five years later, you look at where they're headed and they're heading to all these top colleges. And I think whatever it is that was built in them during that time um, reinforces their study patterns and they're able to apply it to different things. But it is a, a kind of like a, a sense of cultural pride to be able to get on that stage and spell and do those things. But I also realized that, no, it's not all Indians that are like that. You know, people make, people make that generalization to say that, oh, they're Indian, so they're really smart. Or, oh, they're Chinese, they must be really smart. Or they must be very good at math. Or, um, you know, they must be that tech guru at that firm because they're Indian. And that person may not even have that um, interest. So how do we... Um, how do we use our cultural identity to our benefit rather than to our detriment? Yeah, I love that example that you brought, by the way, um, especially as an Asian person in this country. There is such a thing as model minority. And I'm putting air quotes if people can't see, because it, it's it's a very flawed premise. Um, and at the core of it, it's it's sort of dividing and conquering like all the different ethnic racial groups and it's kind of dividing us apart to be really honest because what it does is it puts one group my one minority group up at the top saying you're the model and this this is what everyone needs to follow um and to your point there is a little bit of a pride in there there is a little bit of feeling good but it also has a cost because now if i happen to be the individual that doesn't meet that criteria or can't meet that criteria for whatever reason, maybe I have an intellectual disability, maybe I don't have the resources to actually, you know, be in, a, in, in academic settings where it's really going to help me excel. I now am inherently being, you know, put in a situation where I don't feel like I'm enough because I don't fit that model minority. And then at the core of it, what it does is it also divides other et ethnic groups into, oh, this person is quote unquote better than us when that is such a flawed notion, right? But I do agree with you where, you know, there are certain things that really help us in terms of our cultural um, upbringing and the norms that we've learned, the traditions that we've learned that it does support us. And so one of the questions that I ask my clients when we're working, when it comes to cultural identity and how it shaped us, is asking really, what was the benefit of that particular way of thinking? And what was the cost, if any cost? Because what I've come to realize is everything comes with a benefit and a cost. We tend to think that it only comes with a benefit and doesn't come with a cost, but there is a cost. So for your example, in terms of the spelling bee, 
the person probably is, you know, really been served in following that ambitious path. But I also wonder at the level of anxiety they may have if they do something that isn't quote unquote perfect or, you know, what if they fail? Um, and how is that going to be? Um, how will they navigate that particular thing? Because there's always going to be a cost to any decisions that we make. So I really ask my clients to dig a little deeper in terms of how did this serve you? Because oftentimes the stories that we form we form from surviving a particular thing. We form it because we're trying to survive. But at some point, we're going to realize that it also starts hindering us in ways that we didn't realize or had a cost. So I give an example to my clients where if I, let's say, was bullied when I was little because I was different, I'm probably going to form a story that says different is bad because I want to survive and I don't want to be bullied. But as an adult, the way that plays out for me, if I believe I'm different or different is bad, I might not take as many risks in my job. I might not ask for a promotion as quickly. I might not do things that put me in a category where it's different. So even though it served me and has helped my survival, at some point there might be a hindrance that it's causing and it's important for us to not blame or shame uh, ourselves for having that story in the first place because we really formed it out of survival. But how is this now impacting me now that my situation has changed, now that I'm not being bullied? How is it helping me and how is it maybe not serving me? Well, in terms of how it will serve us or serve you or me, um, if you were to give us five pointers on how to how our culture, um, whether we accept it or embrace it, how our culture, um, how our cultural identity, sorry, um, um, can shape us into becoming our um, best self. Yeah, um, I would so. So this is the work that I have done as well, because obviously I identify myself as Indian. There's no surprise. I look Indian. My name is Indian. And I absolutely, you know, embrace that identity and that cultural piece for me. I'm also a woman. I'm also an immigrant. There are many different cultural identities that I have. So first, it's very important for us to explore what are the multiple different identities that I have? Because I don't know anyone that only has one identity um, and one thing that forms their entirety of their lived experience. We're all sort of multidimensional, we're complex beings. And so first, it's even important for us to look at what are some of the identity markers that has shaped me. And I look at the dimensions of diversity wheel, if you will. It's not an exhaustive list but it essentially gives you, you know, the different categories that people may be looking at, whether it's your faith or religion or gender or expression. Uh, it can kind of help us look at the different identity markers, if you will. Once you've had some sort of understanding on these are some of the identity markers that I have, it's important to explore how do they shape me and how much of it does it shape me? Does me being a woman shape me more in a particular area versus me being an immigrant shape me in a particular area? I think it's important for us to sort of have a moment to explore and get curious 
because there absolutely might be certain areas where one thing really impacts us a little bit more than another. So if I'm thinking of reproductive rights, for example, me being a woman is probably going to be a lot more front center than another particular identity. So that's just an example. So I would say explore first on what are the different identities? How does that how does that impact you or how does that show up for you? And then I would really look at to your point on what are the sort of top five things. I would really look at how has like what are some things that you embrace? How has it really supported you and excelled, you know, and and benefited you in a way? So for me, for example, me being the oldest has really served me in ways where I tend to be more responsible on things and I don't make just impulsive decisions. Now, there probably is a cost at certain situations where I want to be a little bit more impulsive. But for the most part, that thinking through that I do because I'm sort of the oldest has really served me in many different areas. The me being a mediator in my family, if you will, where if anyone has a problem, I am the first one to get called. That has really served me in my career because I'm not really surprised that this is the profession I've picked because that was naturally the role that I was given. So there are certain things that has really enhanced those skills, if you will, for me. And it's important for us to really recognize how are certain identity markers helping us move forward and how can we best use them in particular situations. So for me, when I, you know, am thinking of ambition or where I want to move forward, there are certain identity markers that I can really see that's going to really help me excel. And I can also think of, okay, this is where the barrier is going to come up if I'm trying to take a risk because my that like oldest in child in me is going to be like, no, 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 we can't take a lot of risk. And so I know that that's something that I can anticipate. So it's important for people to also look at what are some things you're going to be told when you're taking a risk or when you're doing something uncomfortable, because that same cultural identity also comes in on like, no, 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 no we can't do something uh, or we can't take as much risk. So it's important to also have an understanding of how, what are some things that my brain is already going to tell me when I am doing something scary. And we all have an understanding of what those things are going to be. Sometimes it's our voice. Sometimes it's someone else's voice in our mind. Maybe it's our caregiver's voice. Um, and so it's important for us to really recognize those things. But I would say those those are the core ways I help people really look at how their cultural identity has shaped them and how we can use it to their benefit. Well, using your cultural identity to your benefit. Um, listeners, you know, uh, as, as Avni was talking about um, explore your different identities, I thought this, um, I like to dance. And there may be somebody from a different culture who also likes to dance. And so that will be our commonality. If I like to cook, and somebody else likes to cook, or maybe I'm a nerd who likes to play around with words, and that's what the other person likes. We have different compartments to our identities. And so maybe if we don't focus on just that one aspect that, oh, I'm Black, 
or just that aspect that I'm an immigrant, um, we may be able to find things in common with each other. For example, you and I are both immigrants. And so that's a commonality that we have. So we can use our cultural identity to our advantage. That's what I'm getting from what you're telling me. Yeah, absolutely. And there are so many ways where and, and this is true for me in terms of my work. I call myself the Indian counselor, but a lot of my clientele are immigrants to this country. And they're not necessarily only Asian Indian people. And the reason that is some, uh, you know, some of the clients that are drawn to me or I, I seek them out, if, I, if you will, is because of that commonality in that immigrant experience. So even if my culture is not the same as theirs, there's a lot of things that we can kind of uh, find commonalities. Like, for instance, I grew up in a family where we didn't really express emotions as much. And I know that's true for many cultures outside of just the Indian culture, where I didn't really hear my parents say, I love you and I miss you so much. But I knew that I was loved and I was cared for. It was shown in a different way. And I know I'm not the only culture that, you know, that has that commonality. Yeah, that's so true. Um, different cultures and different mannerisms or different value systems. Um, like I know that um, I drive my kid crazy when I tell him that he did this for you. You have to call and thank them the next morning. That's what we do. Or it's just not something that maybe his peers are used to, but my parents would be on me. You have to call and thank first thing in the morning or somebody did something for you. You're going somewhere. You're supposed to tell them I'm leaving. I'm going here. Um, and it's like, my kid is like, why do I have to call everybody to tell them I'm going off to college? I mean, that's weird, but, um, <laughs> but yes. Um, and, and it's, 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 it cuts across different cultures because it might be an Indian thing or it might be a Chinese and Filipino thing. It's um, we can learn from each other. Uh, most recently, I, I uh, my most recent book is conversations about race. And we talk about issues like that in there where um, we can find a way to come together. And so with our cultural identity, I'm thinking that instead of that to separate us, we can find ways of coming together by bringing our different talents, our different values together and making that melting pot sweeter. Um, thank you so much, Avni. If people want to learn more about you, do you have any social media handles or a website or anything that you'd like to share? Absolutely. I had a lovely time. And um, if you like to follow me, please follow me on YouTube at The Indian Counselor. I have a channel there and I talk everything mental health and it is Indian culture. But as to your very point, it's not just Indian culture because there's so many commonalities for different people as well. And then the same handle, The Indian Counselor, is for every social media platform, whether that's Instagram, Facebook or TikTok. Well, thank you, Abney. Um, We will find you. And, you know, when I was growing up, I used to watch a lot of Indian films and used to pretend to dance and, and all that. So, you know, it's, uh, um, 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 it's, it's good to talk to you. Listeners, I hope you got something out of this conversation. As always, we're not saying that our thoughts and our, um, um, our contributions are kosher. 
we are sharing everyday experiences from the everyday person. And so um, I hope you've t- gotten something out of this. If you have any comments, go on the blog, margimarge.com blog, send us a message. Um, we're happy to answer your questions. And thank you so much, Abney, for joining us. Um, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Thank you so much for having me. And I hope that each and every one of your listeners get to take the time and explore how their cultural identity is showing up in their lives. Well, our cultural identities definitely do show up in our lives. Thank you, listeners. We will see you next week. This has been Humanity Chats. listening. Share with a friend. We are humans from all around the world. One kind only, and that is humankind. Your friend, Margie Marge.